Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the first in a three-part series. This week's question is, who is God to you? Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hooks, and join us. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so give us some background here. Where does the topic come from? (laughs) This came out of last week's sermon. Okay. And in this month of the lectionary cycle, we are assigned the entirety of John chapter 6. Okay. And so over the course of five weeks, actually, we will walk through the entire chapter. And alongside of that, we're reading from the book of Ephesians. Okay. And the first of these was not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before when I preached about the feeding of the 5,000 and Mm -hmm. abundance. A story I think most people are familiar with. Right. Many people are familiar with hearing about Jesus feeding 5,000 people with a A fish and two loaves, Mm -hmm. right? So it was that story. And that begins chapter six. And then the chapter descends into this odd, weird, John conversation. Okay. Like, in preacher circles, people are like, oh, no, it's this year in the lectionary. When is the bread series? Vacation, vacation, substitute (laughs) preachers. Ah!" Right? Like, seriously, people plan vacations around getting away from having to preach this entire series. That is hilarious. Because it's so boring, and it's so weird, and it's so odd, and it's just Jesus saying over and over again, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. I'm bread. I'm bread, yo. Yo, I'm bread. Bread, bread, bread. And how far can you go with that? Uh, For five weeks. Especially in a gluten-free environment. Right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I have celiac people in my congregation. So it's... An interesting piece. So as I'm trying to find ways to make it through this series without all of us hating the word bread by the end, and without being exclusionary of people who can't eat bread, Mm -hmm. I started the first week, we did blueberries, where I used the blueberries from my blueberry bush and Mm -hmm. passed them around, and there was so much and abundance and kind of focused on that. And then this week... It's getting paired with the Ephesians texts that are also like the first week, the feeding of the 5,000 week, the Ephesians text was really talking about how awesome and wonderful to be a part of God's creation. Okay. So that was good. Good celebration. Let's start us there. And then the Ephesians is going to go down this track of like, here's how you be a good follower of Christ. Okay. Which in North America, we turn into a checklist. Mm. (laughs) Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And we say things to each other like, well... You can't do X and be a Christian. Or you're not a good Christian if you do Y. Mm -hmm. Oh, we love to do that. We love that a lot. And it's it's, so not helpful, but we love to do it. We do. And we'll talk more about that next week. Mm -hmm. But that's where the Ephesian text, it goes to some of these prescriptive kind of ways about being a part of God's work in the world. We'll talk more about that in part two of this series. But this first part, when I was trying to figure out how do we enter into this conversation, two questions really popped out to me from this conversation, this portion of the Gospel of John. This is the first time in the Gospel of John Jesus says, I am something. Okay. And that phrase is really important. And the way that it's done in the Greek is really important. It's ego me, and it's a declarative kind of a statement. And it's in a tense that echoes the Hebrew tense 
of the naming of God to Moses in the burning bush. Okay. And so through the Gospel of John, you'll hear all of these I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of them all through the Gospel of John. And it really is intentional to help you see the connection of who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. Okay. And this is the first one here in John chapter 6. This I am statement is the first statement of who God is. So I wanted to play with that idea and that question of who is God to you Mm -hmm. came out of that kind of wrestling and ruminating. Who is God to you? Is God a vending machine mm-hmm. that you put in your prayers and get what you want out get of what it. you want out of it and in some ways that's kind of the rebuttal of the text that we were reading on sunday but we i all think they want it to be the vending machine but it all ends up as the claw where you never actually get quite what you want <laughs> that's a great metaphor mm-hmm. or you end up with nothing in your hand and, and mm-hmm. except an experience exactly um but there's so many different ways, right, that you can have a relationship with God. And I think that's really part of what I wanted people to sit with is, is who is God to you? Mm-hmm. If Jesus is saying in the Gospel of John that Jesus and God are bread to make us not be hungry, that God is water so we do not thirst, mm-hmm. that God is the vine and we are the branches, and you can take that to blood and the life course giving us oxygen so that we can walk and move and mm-hmm. be. Who is God to you in your life? It's a big question. It is. And you're asking it personally, right? Not just who is God to you as a Lutheran or somebody from Oregon or a white cis woman in her 40s. Right. I think... Yes, all. Okay. Right. Because in English, the word you, right, can be, I could say y'all, who is God to Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all, and be talking to the congregation and say, who is God to this congregation? Who is God to this community? What role does God have? How do we interact with that? I'm also very much in this particular instance saying, who is God to you personally? Okay. And that means in all of your identity, in all of your places where you dwell. Who is God to you as a spouse? Sure. Who is God to you as a parent? Who is God to you as a fiber artist? You're talking more like down to the the very personal part of your identity. Yeah. How do you personally interact? And I think because this isn't a question of salvation, I'm not asking people to say, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Mm -hmm. I'm not asking people if they've been saved because according to our theology, they have been saved. Mm Mm-hmm. Period. That's not the question. The question is, in your life, and I don't think that you have to be a practicing Christian to wrestle with this question. Mm -hmm. Who is God in your life? What role does the divine have in your existence? That's the question that I'm encouraging people Mm -hmm. to wrestle with. Well, I think, unfortunately, we often get caught up into what is the right answer and what is the wrong answer to a question like this. Mm -hmm. And that gets tied up into self-worth issues. Totally. And it also can get caught towards our to-do checklists Mm -hmm. and earning things. And it can also get caught up in really negative paradigms. 
So who is God to you might be old white guy with a beard raining down judgment. Nah, that's a pretty strong image. Right. And so that could, I think, I'm getting my words caught because I get excited about this question. I think in that naming of who God is, is a power to say, but that's not who I want God to be. Mm -hmm. Right? So if God is to you, the old white guy with a beard raining down judgment, and you can finally say, that's who God is to me, but that's not who I want God to be. Mm -hmm. Then you can start wrestling and dreaming about who do you want God to be? Well, it's not unlike last week's podcast when we're talking about liturgical language Mm -hmm. And actually slowing down, stopping, and taking a look at the words that you say by rote and trying to discover them again. Yeah. Even if you have this static image in your head of who God is, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. And it can change depending on what you want out of it. Totally. And not in the like, oh, those liberal snowflakes, they'll make God into anything they want. Exactly. Just so they stay comfortable. That's not what I'm talking about. I think that there are inherent truths about God that no amount of contextualizing or shifting is going to change the truth of. But I think it is true that we can change our relationship to and our experience of God by shifting our understanding. So in the same way that, let's say, a parent an idea of a parent in one phase of your life, who that parent is to you. And I I shy away from talking about parent metaphor because it has been such a huge metaphor and some problematic in the life of the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go with it right now. Who that parent is to you when you are 16 and who that parent is to you when you are 25. Drastically changes. And then who that parent is when you're 65. Exactly. Should they still be around? Right. Mm -hmm. It's very vastly different. And it's not because that parent has changed at all. I mean, they've changed and they've grown and Mm -hmm. they've that kind of a thing. But the inherent nature of that individual has remained the same. It's just that your understanding, your perspective, your relationship, your comprehension, all of that has changed. So that's what I'm asking for people to contemplate with God. We oftentimes will lock God into our understanding of God from when we were kids Mm -hmm. or when we were teenagers, and we don't let God or our relationship with God grow with us over time and shift and change. And in the same way that it does with our parents and with our siblings and with our friends and decade-old friends, right? Uh those kinds of relationships shift, I think it's okay to take the time to let the relationship with God shift as well. So on that vein then, how often... Do you think you should stop and ask yourself a question like this? Is it something that you do monthly? I think you could do it every day if you wanted. Okay. I think it's good to do it maybe at least once a decade. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Doesn't necessarily need Uh to be quarterly. No. I mean, I'm one who loses track of time. Sure. I really do. The only reason why I'm anywhere on any given day is because my calendar is like the first thing on my phone. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Funny. So, so set a reminder in your phone. Th- for me, exactly. Okay. Right. For those of us who have a difficulty understanding the tracking of time, and for myself, a year can feel like a month. Sure. So for those of us in that kind of a situation, I'm not going to say you have to do it every single month because. Mm-hmm. Time flies, right? And that's okay. There's grace. But I think it is good to, when the time feels right, 
when a moment opens up in your life where this question confronts you, to make a point of it. And maybe you make a point of it on like your birthday mm-hmm. or Easter or your baptismal anniversary or all of those mm-hmm. <laughs> or each time you hit a five-year mark mm-hmm. on any of those, right? I think you can open it up, but I think it's a question worth making the time for. Mm-hmm. And partially, I think, because we allow so much of our own expectation to glom onto and we fall back into old patterns Mm -hmm. and our spiritual life, our life of faith can be well served by taking that reflection time to say, okay, who has got to me right now? Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations on where to even start trying to wrestle with that question? Because that's big. It is a big question. And it's going to vary by individual personality type, right? Sure. So for those of us who are introverts, maybe it means that we create two hours with a cup of tea and a journal mm-hmm. and just start writing, non-judgmental writing, right? Because that, for me, is a much safer way to start getting things mm-hmm. out on paper, you know, or, or sit down at your computer and start typing, mm-hmm. stream of consciousness. For an extrovert, it might mean finding your spiritual director, And just start babbling. Sure. And getting that conversation out there and throwing ideas against the wall. For someone who really loves working in collaborative environments, maybe you get a small group together and you have those conversations and start digging at it. So it really is going to be by personality type. Okay. And there is no one size fits all on this. It really is when you have these kinds of deep questions in your life, how do you best process it? Mm -hmm. Is that journaling? Is that writing? Is that singing? Is that creating? Is that making art? Is that sewing something? Mm -hmm. Is it going for a run? Is it joining in a marathon with a team? Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. all of those things were introvert-based. So let me go extrovert-based, right? (laughs) Like you've got to think of that as well. That's funny because I was with you on all of them because I'm an introvert too. Exactly, right? (laughs) So maybe that it's the small group environment, the going Mm -hmm. out to a bar and having a good conversation, the throwing a party and Mm -hmm. doing something, anything that's a big group brainstorming session, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things so that you can find a crew to hash it out with. Sure. Those are all adequate and good ways to spend some time with a question. And there's no wrong answer. That's an important little bit to throw in there yeah. because, like I said, we all get caught up in the, well, if I say that, it makes me a bad person. Right. I really hate when we say, Ugh, you can't be a Christian and hate blah, 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 or you're a bad Christian if you blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. No, you can be a Christian and hate things. It might not be building you up or building up your community, and mm-hmm. that might not be serving you well. But you can still be a person of faith. You might be convicted by it. (laughs) It might be a sin you need to confess and ask for God's help with. But it does not negate your religion. But it does not negate your faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it does not negate your wrestling with something. And so there's no wrong answer. And if you give yourself that, then you can come to a place of honesty to be able to say, well, who God is to me right now is a judgmental jerk. Mm -hmm. And I really need to say that. And then once I've said it, Mm -hmm. I can say, but that is not who the scriptures say that God is. Uh The scriptures say that God is a healer and God loves. And so what have I brought to this relationship that has set it up for God to be a judgmental jerk? 
and how can I find peace and find my way through? And maybe that sets you up for the next six months of spiritual journey. That sounds excellent. All right, that's going to lead me into my obvious and inevitable last question. (laughs) Who is God to you? My boss. Nice. (laughs) I love it. Uh, It's a big question. Yes, it is. It's a big question even for pastors to answer. More than my daily boss, which is true. Right now, I'll say instigator, collaborator, hope. Yeah. Excellent. That's a start. That's a good one. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about this tough question of who is God to you. I look forward to sitting down with you next week on part two of the series. As do I. And I hope that all of you begin to take some time to wrestle with this question. If you would like to include us in that wrestling, you are welcome to reach out to us at podcast at centrallutheran.org. You can also find us on Facebook, and we would love to see a review from you on iTunes. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.